I don't think you have to be an expert in the world of football to note that the Indianapolis Colts have a problem. I think you could have watched yesterday's game, the Colts losing to the Titans, 24-17. They are third in the AFC South with a record of 1-2-1. and And you could also argue that they're lucky to have the one against the Kansas City Chiefs. They could easily be the Houston Texans at 0-3-1. But the record is what the record is. The question is, what's wrong with this team? Flashes of really being able to move an offense, but no flash of a running game. An offensive line that is paid this high that does that little. And a defense that didn't seem to come up with the stops when it was necessary, when they could. Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us right now from 93.5107.5. The fan right here in Indianapolis, Indiana, 3 to 6 p.m. over there. On uh, the, the, the fan, you know, I texted you yesterday. I'm like, uh, who, who gets fired? And this is still my question. Are we at a place with the Colts at 1-2-1, one, two, and one, two division losses uh, uh, to, Jag- to the Jaguars and to Tennessee, the tie with the Texans? Um, is anybody getting fired this week in a short week as they head off to Denver to play the Broncos on Thursday? Well, Tony, certainly not in a short week. Nobody's going to get fired. But you have seen a list of scapegoats so far. You go back to Blankenship after week number one, missing that field goal. He was a scapegoat. He's out. You know, obviously McLaughlin comes in. He missed yesterday, too. Uh, You have seen Danny Pinter as the scapegoat at right guard yesterday. He was out. Will Fries came in on the offensive line. I would still be incredibly surprised, Tony, if Jim Mersey makes – a head coaching change because that's all we're talking about here. And obviously we'll get to Ballard in a second uh, because his fingerprints are all over this mess right now too, in a major way. But let's face it. You look at Frank Reich, Tony, Frank Reich is not the coach that you're looking for with this group, or this group is not a great group for this coach. Either way, at some point if the season continues to go this direction, Frank is not going to be the head coach in 2023. I still find it hard to believe at some point because he's never done it that Jim Irsay would do it during the season. I don't know what the embarrassing point might be because it's all been pretty embarrassing of these losses and this tie so far. But I still would be surprised if Jim Irsay made a change, Tony, midseason. But let's just face it, it's going down this hill where Frank Reich will not be the coach here next season if this continues. And they give you know the fans, the media that covers it, really no reason to suggest otherwise at this point. Now, you, you talk about, you know, at this point, it, yeah. you, are, you, are you making the argument that it, the playoffs have to happen to survive, or is it deep into the playoffs that, that have to survive? And how do you get there when you see an offensive line that, uh, you know, you talk about the fact the highest paid uh, offensive line in the NFL, but... The, the 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 sacks the 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 pressing and then you you lead to the to the fumbles from from Matt Ryan um how, how do you how do you come to accept this as something that can happen all year long even if they do eke out some wins well let me let me give you a, a two layered answer to what you just asked right there if things get massively more embarrassing then again maybe that will set the stage a path where Jim Mercy hasn't gone down before i'm talking about what we have seen so far and the disappointment in the loss column and tie um not to mention the fact that we're talking about a team and an owner 
in the offseason that all he did was talk about how Carson Wentz was the issue, Carson Wentz is gone, and how this team has to beat Tennessee. He, to me, and I think I told you this on Friday, to me he's been smitten with Tennessee and how they win because the Colts were so built to win in the fashion in which Tennessee is supposed to win with toughness, with running, what they like to call grit, playing some defense, having a tough offensive line. And it's all to this point blown up in their face. And this is what to me stands the reason why there is no way in the world that Frank is going to be back next year when it goes down this path, but maybe gets the gate at some point this year because the embarrassment, Tony, you go back to last week, and once again, Jim Mercer via Twitter was outspoken about how much value, how premium of a game this is to finally beat Tennessee. And, Tony, they give their owner the worst first half that we have seen since, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago in Houston, two weeks ago in Jacksonville. That, to me, means either the coach has lost the locker room or the locker room's not with the coach or these guys just simply don't get it. But that is embarrassing to the owner. And if you can't come out there and look better than that in the first half, as they didn't yesterday, changes besides the right guard, changes besides the place kicker, which, by the way, is still not fixed, need to be made. I just don't know it's layered if he'll do it this year unless there's this massive embarrassment that takes place. But again, with this team, Tony, that's not out of the realm of possibility, as we've seen. Talking to JMV from 93.5, The Fan, Matt Ryan was 27 of 37 for 356 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, there were, I believe the, the, the fumble a, a, as well. He can throw 27 for 37, 356. You would consider a good day. That happens because Jonathan Taylor had 20 carries for 42 yards, which again goes back to either the offensive line or a problem with Jonathan Taylor. Um, talk to me about whether or not Ryan is – competent uh, as a quarterback and what in the world is going on with our running game? No, I think you could throw it at times. I mean, he made these guys work for it yesterday, Tony, as you saw, they were throwing behind and in front and over the head. And, and these guys are having to work for it. Clearly he's found a, a little bit of an opening there with the tight ends. Whether you're talking about the rookie Jelani Woods or Mo Alley Cox had a nice afternoon yesterday. Seems like he's getting a little bit going with Alec Pierce, but the guy has fumbled 10 stinking times, Tony, Ten times in four games. I mean, I believe that's more than a couple of stinking teams here. Ten times. Even you, I mean, it'll be incredibly masculine, I'm sure, but even with your smallish, incredibly, I'm sure, masculine hands would hold on to it longer than that. I mean, smallish? Terrible. Smallish yet masculine, right? I'm not that's sure. Not sure how to take yeah, that, but no, keep no, going. But no, he can throw it, Tony. He, he can throw it when he gets time, but that's where it all starts. It all starts with the offensive line. It's been awful. And that's where it goes back to Chris Ballard, as I alluded to earlier. The foundational blocks of what has been built here, they have failed. On the offensive line, on the defensive line, all the values that you have in how you constructed a team against what I think should be constructed in this era of the NFL, not putting value on the wide receivers, putting value on a $20 million per left guard, or the defensive line going with the 37-year-old quarterback he has gone opposite of what it normally takes to win in the modern era of the NFL. Those are foundational building blocks, and to this point, they have absolutely failed. And if that offensive line does that, it doesn't matter anything else. The whole system's going to fail. If you're uh, advising Coach Reich, one, one change, 
what is it? What is the one change that can at least get this team started? Because they have certainly uh, took to the second half to really start uh, showing some movement, so showing some activity. What is the one change that, that you make? I don't think he has it in his bag right now. Uh, that sounds bad. I don't think he has it in his bag. A lot of people would say, hey, just how about the change in demeanor, the change in personality? You know, screaming and yelling, you know, doing something Mike Vrabel on the other sideline yesterday might do. Yeah, that's not him. Nobody's going to take to that. You know, if they don't take to, you know, the necessity of winning a game of that magnitude yesterday, they're not going to take to somebody all of a sudden switching their personality, you know, in midstream like this because you know that your job is on the line. And, you know, I talk about not having it in their bag. They don't have it in their bag because it starts with the offensive line. This is supposed to be a running team. Jonathan Taylor can't run. He can't get a crease. He can't get any space whatsoever. You go back to last week. Remember on that fourth down call where he tried to jump the pile around yep. midfield to get that first down? You know why he did that? Is because he knew that there was going to be no space going off the $20 million left guard to be had. So he thought he was going to outsmart people and go midair. And that didn't work out either. It starts with this offensive line. And really, both sides of this line, when they don't get it done to the magnitude in which they have not so far this team, the way it's constructed, is sure to fail, and that's on the shoulders of Chris Ballard, the general manager. 